This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We will talk plenty about the Hall of Fame today. Brian Burke stops by at the bottom of the hour. Um, uh, I don't know if you know this, but Brian drafted the Sedins. I don't know if he's ever told that story before, but we'll get him to recount it as, as foggy as the memories may be. Uh, Chris Cuthbert stops by from Hockey Night in Canada and the NHL on Sportsnet. We'll talk about both the Maple Leafs and the Vancouver Canucks. Bad news uh, for the Maple Leafs today, and, and awful, obviously bad news for Jake Muzzin. Uh, out indefinitely, as we know, he's on long-term injury. Cervical spine injury, he will be reevaluated in February. So we'll talk about that with uh, Chris Cuthbert in hour two. And Eric Engels will discuss maybe the most exciting young team in the NHL, the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, but before we get there, we go for a walk every day with Elliot Friedman. Uh, today, no difference uh, from 32 Thoughts in Hockey Night in Canada. Here he is, Elliot Friedman. How are you today, Freach? I'm good, Jeff. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Hall of Fame weekend uh, come and gone. I want to get to a couple of thoughts uh, a couple of thoughts on that in a couple of moments, but the latest news, this just coming out before the uh, the show went to air, Jake Muzzin, cervical yep. spine injury, will be reevaluated in February. You know, before you think of the player, you think of the person, and now you understand why after the injury occurred, Mitch Marner, you know, said, you know, we think of him and his family and his quality of life after the game. Now that all starts to make sense. Uh, we'll get to T.J. Brody's situation in a second, but initially thoughts on Jake Muzzin and all our, you know, we're crossing all of our fingers, hoping that he's okay coming out of all of this. But now it's over to the Maple Leafs and some decisions, I would imagine. Well, I mean, first of all, I, I think you're right. The the first thing you think about is the person. And uh, I think we've all kind of expected that this was going to be a long-term announcement. And we didn't know what it meant for the future. It just was a matter of getting clarity. And now we have some clarity. Um, you know, I, I, I like... And well, I, I guess there'll be an update in, in February, but I don't think anybody would be surprised if we don't see Muzzin again this season. And all you care about is his health. Um, so you know, we'll we'll wait for the next update, and and hopefully things improve just in terms of, you know, as you said, uh, his his long term health. The, the thing with Brody, like that's a, that's a huge loss for Toronto. Um, you know, to me, Brody is their most consistent defenseman. I, I think he's the one that a lot of people will tell you they trust the most, uh, it, it, you know, in terms of both people inside the organization and probably a lot of fans. I, I think there's a real calmness when Brody is on the ice, the way he plays. He always makes a ton of smart plays. Things te- seem to go really well generally when he's out there. And, you know, it's it's a huge loss for them. We'll see how long this is. Uh, you know, the the thing is, like, you know, I, I was I, we talked about Ottawa on the weekend. We talked about Ottawa on the podcast today. It's yeah. tough to find defensemen right now, Jeff. Um, you know, there's there's teams out there looking. Ottawa's looking. They've been looking for one now. Maybe two. We'll see. Hopefully, Shabbat's okay and he's not out long term. You know, in Toronto at least they got. The thing about Toronto, at least, they got Lilligren back. He kind of put everybody into where they're supposed to be, and they were doing better. And and the thing is, like a guy like Jordy Ben, and he's been around a long time. You know, you can plug him in, and you know what you're going to get. Now, I don't think they were expecting to get the winning goal from him on Saturday. And uh, you know, I lo- I, I thought it was great how much they celebrated. But at least you know, in, in the short term, that you're going to be okay there. And 
Like, like I don't think Toronto's going to look at it as it's as dire as we go out and get someone in the short term. I think with, as long as the rest of the group stays healthy, they're probably okay. But I, I, I think it's hard to find defensemen out there right now. I, I really do. You know, the, the the one defenseman that I do wonder about, and not just with, you know, Toronto, and I believe there there was interest in this player previous, going back to last season, um, as the Anaheim Ducks, like, it's it's going to be a tough season for Anaheim. We all know, yeah. like, they're, they're, they're basement right now. This, this is going to be tough. John Klingberg is in on the one-year deal. I, I think we looked at that signing initially and said... Okay, it's a big ticket. Uh, it's one year, and Pat Verbeek just got someone that he'll probably move at trade deadline. Considering how many teams are looking for a defenseman, I would imagine mm-hmm. there'd be a premium attached to that, trading for one now uh, and not waiting until trade deadline. You know, is there, is there a chance you think that Anaheim starts to, starts to look at John Klingberg and say, listen, I, I know it hasn't even been 20 games here yet, but, you know, we're getting some pretty serious offers. Could, could Klingberg be... As, as much as we're all talking about Jacob Chikrin, and we still have to wait for him to come back, should yeah. we maybe start looking to Anaheim and John Klingberg? Well, I, I think so. I think you should be looking at any defenseman who could be available. Like, if, for example, Ottawa. I, like, I don't think there's much work that Ottawa hasn't done on anyone. So I, I think absolutely you should. And, and I do remember, you know, the Leafs did have interest, obviously, in Klingberg last year. I'm not convinced he's what they need. Um, like, like when I look at Toronto, I say, look, they don't have a ton of capital uh, in terms of you know what they what they can do. They don't have a ton of draft picks this year, um, and look, and look, like they didn't even want to include like a fifth round draft pick for Bear. They looked at that whole yeah. deal and they weren't willing to. So that that says to me that the Maple Leafs are being very careful with what they do. They know they might only have one opportunity to do something, and they're going to make sure that they have everything there to do it. So like, are, 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 if you look at what they're going to have to give up to get Klingberg, I'm just not convinced that that's mm-hmm. what they're going to want to do. So do I think Klingberg will, or other Anaheim D might be in play? Yeah, absolutely I do. Do I think that's what Toronto wants? I'm not convinced it's at the top of their list. Okay, I was going to say then, if I can't interest you in a 30-year-old John Klingberg, can I interest you in something around the ages of 33 and a Kevin Shattenkirk, sir? Again, I, I'm not sure. Like, I, I do think Shattenkirk <laughs> will be out there. But again, do you, do you think that's the road that Toronto goes down? I don't. I don't think that it is. I'm just, you know what, I, to be honest with you, I'm looking at, at, at teams, because we all know how team, you know, teams have favorite trade partners, and yes. historically, Toronto and Anaheim have always been able to find a path to make a deal. I mean, you know how it works. There are just, you know, some teams that, that find they can work together consistently, and for a long time, that has been uh, the Anaheim Ducks and the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's mainly why I'm drawing that line. No, Plus, I, I, understand, that I understand what you're doing. There is there is a rhyme to your reason, not always, but in this case, I, I know what you're doing. Um, but I, I just, I, I've got, I've got to think. Like I know a lot of people have tied Chikrin into Toronto. You know, like I think they worry about his health. I, I do. I, you know, if if you're going to use the assets that it's going to cost you to get him, you know, you, I, I think they're nervous about about whether or not yeah. he can stay healthy. So, I mean, like, the, the one thing is that they've stabilized themselves a little bit here. They've, 
you know, they, they've really done a good job considering, you know, what's happened in goal, some of the injuries they've had, um, you know, the fact that their five-on-five five numbers haven't been great. They've really, their, their power play has obviously been very good. Um, you know, they, they've stabilized themselves here, and they deserve a lot of credit for that. Um, so they, so you're not, you're, when you're not drowning, you can afford to take a deep breath and kind of look around and survey and be smart, and they have a bit of breathing room to do that. I think the other thing, Jeff, too, and we, we talked about it on the weekend, is it's not always easy for these Canadian teams to find players. I, I do think that's yeah. come up in Ottawa's situation here is that you know like a lot of the uh, if you have a full no move or no trade you have real control but if you have a partial there's a lot of there's a lot of players who put the canadian teams on their lists so it's an extra hurdle that you have to navigate here uh this was a um a weekend of images and a weekend of reflection and a weekend of celebrating the career of Borea Salming in Toronto and, and not just Toronto but around the hockey world I, mean, I don't care who you cheer for you see Salming embracing like that like good luck good, good luck not uh, not tearing up um whether it was the embrace with with Sittler and Salming whether it was you know the the waving to the standing crowds uh, even just just seeing Borea Salming out there on the the embrace with William Nylander dropping the puck. Yeah. Um, what do you take away from the the weekend where Borea Salming returned? Uh, well, a couple of things. Number one, uh, I think Sheldon Keith deserves a lot of credit for starting the Swedes, all of them. Um, yep. You know, I I think that was uh, that was a dynamite move. Like, you know, it, it's you know, like. I think as a coach, sometimes you're you're always, you know, your eyes are on winning games and making the team better. And sometimes you kind of forget about the real world around you. Like we've seen that before. We've seen coaches just yeah. get so tunnel visioned onto what they're doing and trying to win the next game that they kind of forget on what's going on in the world around you. And, you know, Keith recognizing that I thought was, was huge. Um, I mean the, the I mean the, the Salming's reaction, the ovations. Um, um, you know I, no, you know when when I first heard that they were going to do Salming both nights, you know the first night with the Hall of Famers and the second night by himself, I, I wondered if it would be too much, and whoever made that call turned out to be absolutely right that it was just perfect. Um, and you know, like again, I don't want to go too much into the pugs. I don't want to double down, but I, you know, I thought I thought Matthew's reaction was really interesting. I think it's a reminder of as tough as it can be to play for any of the Canadian teams. It's a reward. The the rewards are high, also that that's how you're remembered, and that that made an impression on people, no doubt. Uh, Hall of Fame. So uh, a couple of things. Um, there are people that make it into the Hall of Fame, and then there are people that are honored uh, by the Hall of Fame. Uh, the Elmer mm-hmm. Ferguson Memorial Award uh, this year, Al Morganti, and the Foster Hewitt, Bill Clement. Do you have a thought on, on both these two gentlemen, who are both obviously tied into Philadelphia in one way, shape, or, or the other? Well, I, I, think it's, I, I think it's great that the city of Philadelphia gets recognized as much as anything else here. You know, Ed Schneider, the, the longtime owner of the Flyers, he always used to call us the, what, what did you say? We were the original seventh. 
You know, we weren't part of the original six, but we were, <laughs> but we made that big an impact, and that's how much hockey meant here. I, I think it's, I think it's very deserving. Uh, Philly deserves that kind of recognition in the in the NHL. Look, Morganti was was very big in covering the team uh, locally. I remember him in Sports Illustrated when I used to read the magazine all the time. You know, he's still there. It's been. You know, he's still yeah. doing radio. He's still doing broadcasts. Um, you know, he's still going strong. He's he's very deserving, and, and, and so is Bill Clement as a player and a, and a broadcaster. And, um, look, I, I don't think anybody can have any arguments with this. They're both incredibly, incredibly deserving people. And I think the other thing, too, is that, you know, you forget that when Versus got the NHL rights, wasn't Clement the first host? Yes. Like they tried, yeah, they was. tried something different. Like he was, he was a former player who ran the broadcast, and I, I think it shows the incredible respect that people have for him. So a, a couple of things with uh, with Clement, and I'm going to tie this into two other people as well, Elliot. One of the brilliant things that Bill Clement did. Well, first of all, he was an ex- excellent penalty killer, as any you know, anybody, whether it's you know Flames or Flyers, you know, all all know. Like, he was a great penalty killer, outstanding faceoff man. But the one thing that he really recognized early in his career, it seemed, is that he needed to start planning for a career after hockey. And even while he was playing, he started dabbling in broadcasting. And you know, there are some great broadcasters that did that. I think of Kelly Rudy right away. Like that, even though the career is, even though he's still playing, you know, teams out of the playoffs, boom, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to start to, start to feather my nest somewhere else. Clement did that. Uh, Kelly Rudy did that. Most recently, P.K. Subban, who always sort of went out of his way to do, to do television, you know, whether it was during lockouts or when teams were out, you know, he'd show up on panels. Now he's working with, uh, with ESPN uh, and the NHL. He was like, to my knowledge, Elliot, he was maybe one of the first to do that in any serious way to sort of look at even while he was playing starting to plan for his second career i'm trying to remember in in my lifetime if there was anybody kind of before that i'm sure there was i I can't think about it i'm sure there was my head I was thinking about it this morning. Like, I'm like, was Clement the first? So I was like, I want to say something about Bill Clement and Al Morganti. And I'm trying to think, like, was Clement the first to do that, to really begin his second career while he was still playing in the NHL? It's, there a, it's are a good question. That will correct us, you know. <laughs> yes. But anyway, it's, it's the first, one of the first things that popped to my mind. So it, it, even if he wasn't the first, I think safe to say, Elliot, he was one of the first to do that. Yeah, I, I would think that's I would think that's probably true. I can't think of any reason to dispute you on on this one. Uh, okay, a couple more things here. Um, when you have a look at the standings, and here we are, November the fourteenth. Uh, yeah. In the Metro, it's the Devils, the Islanders, in Carolina. In the Atlantic, it's Boston, Toronto, and Tampa. Your two wild card teams are the Rangers and the Florida Panthers. Uh, in the West, it's the Jets, the Dallas Stars, and the Colorado Avalanche. Vegas, L.A., Seattle. Interesting. Wildcard, Edmonton, and Minnesota. 
out of all those, and maybe the obvious answer is, you know, just it's Seattle, dummy. Um, is there one team that jumps out? You know, here we are a month and a half into the into the season. Uh, I know this isn't how it's exactly going to end up, but is there one team out of all of these, whether it's the fact that right now they're in or the position that they are in now that they've arrived there, are there one or two teams that really jump out at you? I would say first on my list is Winnipeg. And, um, and, and the reason is um, it's a good sign for them that Hellebach is Hellebach again. Um, sure is. You know, it, like when you, when you take a look at, at the goal saved above expectation, I think the guys at the top of the list, and I've seen some lists that are slightly different, but, um, you know, Hellebach's consistently at the top. So is Carter Hart. Um, Vimelka from yeah, Sorokin and Vimelka for Arizona is another one I saw. Um, you know, these are these are the goalies that are having great years. Look, like I, I think Winnipeg. The reason I pick Winnipeg is they had a really tumultuous off season. Um, they didn't have an, the, the coaching search wasn't always easy. I, I think we kind of you know right on the eve of of training camp, you you take the captaincy away from Wheeler. Um, I think they had a lot of players who they had to figure out were they going to stay or were they going to go? Did they want to stay? Like Winnipeg had a lot of traps that they had to deal with. And at least for now, you, you wake up today, you're in first place in the Central Division. I mean, what a huge win that is last night. The 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 power play right at the oh. scoring with four seconds left and then winning the game in overtime. Um, you know, I, I, I think that it, it was such a hard year for them last year for a lot of different reasons that even if you look at it and you say it's as much Hellebuck as it is anything else, the bottom line is, as Bill Parcells always said, you are what your record says you are. And right now their record says they're 9-4-1. and And there's still a long way to go and there's still a lot of things, but, you know, I, I like the way Hellebuck playing is big. Um, you know, the fact that they are bonus asked them to be more defensively responsible and there's evidence that they're doing that. And Shifley looks really good. I mean, you know, you were really like all of it. You're really hoping that he bought in after the way he felt last year. And it's clear he has. And so I think Seattle's a great story, too. I think you're right. But Winnipeg's got 15 of its last 18 possible points. And, um, you know, like I said, last year was a really hard year for them. And they clearly, and it, you know, I don't know if anybody expected this kind of start. And like every team, they've got their things they've got to fix. But I like the way they're playing. You know, I, I, I do wonder about the Winnipeg Jets um, because last year, you know, I was one of the people that said it's the best Canadian team in the NHL. Um, oh, yeah, I was one of them too. The trap door open. The yeah. trap door opened pretty fast on that one, uh, on on a lot of us. I I just wonder about because let's not let's not lose sight of how many quality hockey players there still are on this team. You mentioned Hellebuck and Shifley and Wheeler and Connor and Ehlers and Josh Morrissey uh, is having a really good season again. Uh, you tend to lose sight of that because of the performance last season. But I wonder how much of this is just this is a team with really good hockey players who don't have the pressure of expectation. Maybe this season. And always, you know, what do athletes love? Athletes love the underdog story. Athletes love it when you tell them you can't do something. And isn't that what everyone was telling Winnipeg in the offseason? 
that they're done, they're cooked, blow it up, they can't do this. I mean, mm -hmm. elite level athletes thrive on this stuff, Elliot, right? Like that's that's the his. I don't know much about anything, but I do know that that's kind of the history of sports. Well, I, I think it shows that your reminder is that, you know, everybody has situations they're unhappy with from time to time. Everybody has positions they're placed in where they may be uncomfortable uh, from time to time. But what you control is the way you react to them. You control how you perform. You control how you prepare. Uh, you control what you control. And, you know, I, I think in, in Winnipeg, you're right. You know, they all could have just said, you know what, um, this isn't what we want or this isn't our preferred outcome. But they're playing hard and they're, they're doing what's asked of them. And, uh, you know, I, I think the, the thing about bonus is, Someone said to me on the on the weekend, uh, one of the players was that um, it's like it's like playing for your grandfather, right? Like he doesn't yell at you, he doesn't he doesn't dress you down, but he just says like when you when you he says you really disappointed me and you feel like so crushed because you let down your own grandfather <laughs> and you know like I, I think that's I think again at the end of the day like you look at Marty Saint Louis in Montreal. And it is a reminder that yeah. the coach's biggest, the, the biggest thing the coach has to do is create a situation where the players want to play for you, right? And in, in, in Winnipeg, it's clear that those, those players want to play for him because they're buying into what he's asking them to do. And if you can convince people to play for you, then uh, I, a lot of your problems get solved. You know, maybe the best way that it was put to me, someone, I think it was last year, maybe the, the season before, said, Here, here, here's Rick Bonus. Um, he's not the coach that comes storming into the room and kicks the garbage can. He walks into the room, turns the garbage can upside down, sits on it, and says, let's talk. He said, mm -hmm. that's, that's Rick Bonus right there. He's not coming in house on fire. He sits down, rolls up his sleeve, and says, okay, let's get to the bottom of it. And so far, things have been great for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, enjoy Hall of Fame night this evening, Elliot. Um, some wonderful athletes are going in, and it's a, uh, it's a great reflection on the Hall of Fame. Thanks so much, as always. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, Jeff. Take care, bud. Enjoying his walk, Elliot Friedman, uh, who joins us daily here on the, on the program from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada.